Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, April 6th in the Christian world, Holy Thursday, in the Jewish world, the first full day of uh, Passover, in the Muslim world, just about in the middle uh, of Ramadan. Here it's about 10 minutes, to 12 minutes after 11 on the East Coast of the United States. Our good friend, good friend of the show, Tony Schaefer, uh, returns to our camera. Tony, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Judge. Good to be here. Uh, a lot has happened in Ukraine and in Europe since last we spoke, but I want to start with two events that happened uh, yesterday and today at the same time uh, as the Speaker of the House of Representatives was meeting in Simi Valley, California. We'll show you uh, his comments about his meeting in a few minutes uh, with the President of Taiwan, the Chair of the House Armed Services Committee, Armed Services Committee, Congressman Mike uh, McFall of Mm -hmm. Texas, was in Taiwan saying we need to harden the Taiwanese defenses against China. So let's run this clip, Gary, of Congressman McFaul in Taiwan's from yesterday. Being here, I think, sends a signal to the Chinese Communist Party that the United States supports Taiwan uh, and that we're going to harden Taiwan, uh, and we want them to think twice about invading Taiwan. We're going to harden Taiwan. What do you think he's talking about, Tony? And, and does he know what he's talking about? And how well, yeah, significant is it what he says because of who he is? So it's significant because he does control the budget for the whole of DOD by the fact that the House has to appropriate the funding. As everybody knows, that's where it starts. And so he does actually have uh, a, a good platform to speak of. Now, Regarding strategy and the wisdom of his words, I'm skeptical of. This is something I'm concerned about. And I actually spoke about this with uh, Doug McGregor on my own show, uh, The Hard Truth, that you just put up there on the screen. Uh, We have no strategy, Judge, that actually links to national objectives. So when you have a member of Congress, a politician, stating uh, as policy uh, what we can do militarily, and the military is not really like linking to the to a larger strategy, it it troubles me because we all recognize the importance of Taiwan. Taiwan is the foundry of the planet for microchips. I think 91% of microchips which go into autos are manufactured there, something like 31% of of advanced microchips going into other things. So it's it's hugely economically imperative to the world that Taiwan produce what it does. And I'm not here to compliance the fact that we're relying on it, but we are. As are the Chinese, the PRC. The Chinese depend on these chips as well. So it's important to recognize that the people of Taiwan have the right to defend themselves, but I'm not sure if we've thought through how that would be most practical to do. 
Okay. I want I want you um, to take off your military hat and put on your hat as an astute observer of the politics of all this. But before sure. you do that, I want you to listen to um, uh, Speaker McCarthy. Now he's this is from Fox News. So he already had the time this clip was made, which I think was last night. He already had his meeting uh, in California uh, with uh, the president of Taiwan. And he seems to be emphasizing a point that I want to make with you afterwards that, oh, this is bipartisan. There were Democrats at the at the Reagan uh, library. I'm putting a little emphasis in it. Right. But I want you to pay uh, attention to that because I want to address it. Gary, run that clip. Very bipartisan meeting. We had Republicans and Democrats here speaking with one voice. And you know what? We need to speed up our weapon sales to Taiwan. Have we learned anything what's happening around the world? Let them defend themselves, deter the ability of China to enter Taiwan. We need to be able to foster greater democracy and freedom. We need to be able to work together economically from the chip manufacturing and others. I found it a very productive meeting. It's the first time a Speaker of the House has ever met with a Taiwanese president on American soil. But I think it was very important in a bipartisan manner, almost 20 members together meeting. Bipartisan, well... What, what party controls Congress when it comes to this? Answer, the war party. Yeah. That consists of a majority of uh, Democrats and a majority of Republicans. But I'll let you comment. When so, politicians say things like Kevin McCarthy just said, bipartisan, we're going to defend Taiwan. So or, uh, Congressman McFall said, we're going to harden Taiwan. Yeah. Is this so, policy or is this pleasing the crowd back home? Well, it's more pleasing than crowd because, you know, I'm a Reagan Republican and I do believe, Judge, in strong deterrence. But the ter- deterrence have to be uh, psychological as, as much as physical. So what you're doing here, what they're talking about is essentially selling the Taiwanese a bunch of stuff and hoping for the best. That's not a strategy. So, again, if you look at the Reagan model, the Reagan model included a, a whole of government approach to engagement, messaging. And, oh, by the way, the guy that had to do all that was a guy named Ronald Reagan. Uh, the credibility of the deterrent model actually has to come from the guy in charge. Think about that for a second. So all this other stuff, all this other noise, nobody believes Joe Biden will do anything regarding the whole of government or actually put together a plan that is a credible deterrent. That's the problem here. All this other stuff is just spending money and hoping for the best. Unless the deterrent is led by a strong leader who understands fact and math. It's not good. So that's my biggest concern. The fact that we're trying right, to help Taiwan or not. The Chinese certainly understand how American government works. They do. They know who these Republicans are. They, do. they know that the Republicans only control um, one House of Congress, notwithstanding McCarthy's boast uh, that it was a bipartisan delegation. And I don't disbelieve him. He probably, of the 20 people there, had a half dozen, maybe more uh, a pro-war pro-DOD Democrats. Right. But the Chinese also know that the president sets these policies, not not the Republicans in the House. Exactly. That's my point. So 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 just to recircle, just to make that point very painfully clear, unless the senior executive, the chief executive is on board and actually working this as a a policy matter, those guys in, in Congress judge the politicians can speak on policy. They, they're policy makers, but the, the, the policy is not credible. Nobody believes, Judge, that, that 
that any deterrent model we put together will be uh, able to deter anything. It didn't. It didn't stop Putin. It didn't. It didn't remotely stop Putin. So okay, I don't so, know how, why we think this model is going to be any better than that. So yeah, I'm smiling because we've been friends for too long, Tony. Because I'm starting to think like you. That's exactly where <laughs> that was going to go. I mean, Joe Biden's so-called deterrence. It doesn't work uh, in in Ukraine. All it right. does is suck us in more and more. Now, since last we spoke. Uh, the um, White House has announced 2.8 billion, with a B, more equipment, high Mars, on their way to Ukraine. Do we yeah. know if this stuff is surplus coming from Poland or Romania or France or Germany, or if this is new stuff built in the U.S., hasn't even been acquired by the DOD yet and is being sent directly from the manufacturer to some place in poland where it goes to ukraine do we know all the uh, all the above uh, some oh. of it's coming out of existing stock dod is trying to do a balancing act judge between maintaining some level of capability the dod has missions and has to have uh, the, that technology as part of those missions so they're trying to retain somewhat they're trying to get some things there immediately so they can be used on the battlefield and then ultimately everything has to be replaced by manufacturing so all the above it's it's all happening at once the question becomes, again, uh, so what? Uh, is this going to be actually used effectively by Zelensky and the, and the Ukrainian military? Will it have any, deter any, any ability to actually stop the Russians uh, ultimately from what they're doing? And will we actually lose technology? Because one of my worries still is we're giving all this new technology to the Ukrainians. It's all going to go to the Russians. The Russians are going to end up with everything we're giving them uh, in some form to analyze and try to be able to figure out how to defeat in the future. So those things are all happening as we speak right now. Also, since last we spoke, Tony, it is pretty clear without any boasting by the Russians or admissions by the uh, Ukrainians that Bakhmut has fallen. Right. Uh, our mutual friend, uh, Jack Devine, says, big deal, it's just one town. Uh, but it's a major city and it's a choke point, uh, right. as, as you military guys would say. It's a point uh, through which the Russians need to pass. Now, Colonel McGregor, who, along with you, two of the smartest people I know in analyzing military strategy, has pointed out that Bakhmut is not only a choke point, now opened up for the Russians to move west, uh, it's also an iron jaw that the Russians delayed conquering Bakhmut until more Ukrainian soldiers foolishly entered the city where they were slaughtered. Yeah. stated differently due to what Colonel McGregor describes as a brilliant Russian strategy. It cost Ukraine far more to lose Bakhmut than it ought to have cost. What do you say about all of that? So it's a war of attrition at this point, Judge. And uh, I agree with Doug. I mean, in, in, I've spoken with him on my own show about this. Uh, the Russians are engaged in attempting to reduce the effectiveness of the Ukrainian military so that when at a time of their choosing, they go on the offensive, they have less less of a military force to deal with. And uh, Zelensky is foolishly throwing more. Let me let me go on the record here and say, I think you're going to see another at least battalion, if not a brigade of Ukrainian forces thrown into the cauldron to, to attempt this. To, right now, Zelensky is so focused on being able to say that that uh, Bakhmut has not fallen. He, as long as there's one guy who's not dead or 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 badly injured to the point of where he can't move, 
they're going to say that 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 Bakhmut is not fallen, and that I think they're going to throw some more reserves in there because it's so important to the the narrative that Zelensky is trying to continue with the West. So I think it's going to be even more attrition by the Ukrainians to the to advantage this the Russians. So, is there any question in your mind, but that Ukrainians are losing more men than they need to lose, and the Russians are are advancing? The two things that tell me that the Ukrainians are losing is the fact that, that well, both sides do propaganda. Uh, the Ukrainians seem to be the most aggressive in trying to get their message out. The, the Russians are kind of like deliberate. They're just grinding it down. And uh, Ukraine is much more spastic in trying to get their. So I think they're, they're panicking. So I think they're very worried. And secondly, uh, when you actually examine uh, just the numbers again, Judge, you know, I'm, I'm not pro or against. I actually mentioned, you know. If if if, uh, if a yeast infection got into a war with with uh, mold, I don't I wouldn't care. And that's the same way I look at this. Like you know, it's, it's yeast and mold fighting each other. Uh, right now, the bottom line is the Ukrainians do not have the combat power to 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 retake Bakhmut, and they certainly do not have the combat power left after. And they're trying to hide their losses. They have huge losses. They have not reported. They've way underreported, and they just don't have the military. Uh, uh, the numbers in their military to, to, to sustain the current level of, of operational tempo. Here's uh, Jack Devine. You and I know him personally and professionally. Uh, my audience loves to hate him, but they watch him. Yeah. Um, here, here's the wildest thing he said just yesterday about who's winning and who's losing. In the last two months, you were telling me these great wizards of the war we're saying the Russians have the 300,000-man army and they're going to roll right over Ukraine. Here we are, 150,000 troops went in, and they may or may not have taken a town. I mean, he is having a hard time. This is not victory. This Anybody that thinks he's won something, God bless you. But, I mean, I, I don't know how I could hold my head and invade a country and move a few kilometers, you know. So I, I think he's in trouble. I think he's in serious trouble. That's why there's a fight between the regular military and, and uh, the Wagner group. The, the he, of course, to whom he refers is President Putin. Yeah. Well, look, Putin is a thug. I've said this over and over. I'm not a fan of Putin, but Putin, you have to deal with him. He is, he is the leader of Russia, period. And the Russian way of war is not our way of war. Um, anytime you, you cannot do a one for one analogy of what the Russians do and what we do. And again, I fault Jack and others for cultural uh, vandalization, if you will, of the Russian way of doing things. They, they, they project onto them our standards and ethics. It just doesn't work. So uh, Putin is not one because he's chosen not to move forward in an aggressive way. Uh, that the, the, the degradation of the, of the, why, Judge, again, why would you uh, try to start taking terrain if you have to lose twice as many soldiers as if you just sit there and let them come to you and you just kind of shoot them down as they come? That's it. It's like, why, why, why do that? So if you've got an enemy like Zelensky, you got him by the nose and you're kicking him in the ass to quote Patton, why would you want to like let him go and chase him? And as you as you chase him, you're going to lose more people. You don't want to do that. So right. I, just, I don't I don't agree with Jack. I think he's. Um, insensitive to the reality in which the, the Russians, is, how the Russians is, is Jack world. Is Jack just mouthing the party line? I don't expect you to get in his head. Well, but give me a guess. Mouthing the party line because he's a company guy, because he was CIA for 40 years, 
because he he when he retired, he retired in good standing and in management. He wasn't an iconoclast like yeah. uh, McGovern or Giraldi. Or is Jack saying what the CIA is telling Joe Biden? And if the latter is true, we are really in trouble if the CIA is lying to the president. So, um, I look. I've I've dealt I've dealt with. Uh, your audience knows I was trained by CIA. We all go through the same, you know, we go through the farm to become case officers. Uh, and, uh, but I went back to the military to support military stuff. Uh, I've dealt with senior CIA leadership my entire career, Judge, to include uh, 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 Ted Price when he was DO, uh, Tennant when he was uh, DCI. You know, Jim Woolsey and I are still friends from the time I was running operations when he was director of CIA. And there's a certain level of arrogance that establishes itself within the CIA mindset, period. It's always there. It's always, we're smarter than you, and whatever you say just doesn't matter. And I think Jack suffers from that. But more importantly, it's a collective process of, of where they all think that way. It's, it's very much like, if you've seen Star Trek, it's like the Borg. Uh, you know, they <laughs> very much think like each other, and it's <laughs> like, we're going to say the same thing whatever we think the truth should be. The, the, the truth you, is what they But do you think that, that uh, the raw data being uh, accumulated and assimilated uh, by officers on the ground is making its way to no. Langley and to no. the West Wing? Or do you think the politics... I've asked you this before, and maybe yeah. it changes during the course of the war as events in the war change. Or do you think politics is influencing what, what senior management says to the president, that they tell him what they think he wants to hear, even if it's not a realistic portrayal of what's going on on the ground. Do, does the president think that the fall of Bakhmut is meaningless? The, uh, the truth is not getting, I don't, I, don't think the tr- I don't think Biden wants the truth. So he's going to be a co-conspirator and saying, just, just tell me what you want, because he doesn't want the truth. Uh, leaders at that level, Judge, have to be intuitive to understand that they're probably not going to get ground truth. So they have to seek it out because they get processed and regurgitated intel that's over and over. It's processed a lot. It's like uh, pre-chewed uh, beef. You know, they get this stuff sent to them all the time and they just take it. They, uh, I know from, again, advising Mike Pompeo, advising multiple senior leaders of DOD, I always try to give them stuff from the bottom because they're not going to get it otherwise. And then they've got to figure out they're being lied to. And sometimes they know they're being lied to. Sometimes they want to be lied to. I've been in meetings with members of Congress who know they're being lied to. They wanted to be lied to. So uh, I think the Biden administration knows they're being lied to, but they don't care. They, they want the lie to be presented as truth and it allows them the cover to, to, to create policies which will not succeed uh, one way or another. Okay. Uh, three weeks ago, the FBI arrested a guy in the United States who was holding himself out as a Brazilian soccer player, but the FBI claims his real name is Sergei Cherkasov, uh, and he's FSB, Russian uh, security. Mm-hmm. Two weeks after that, uh, an American reporter named Evan um, Cherkovich yeah. wrote a story for the Wall Street Journal saying that the sanctions are finally hitting Russia and their economy uh, is um, is tanking. A week after that, he was uh, arrested in eastern uh, Russia, allegedly right. with military secrets in his hands. Is there a connection between all of this? Are we into this 
kidnap is diplomacy by kidnapping and arresting and, and trading? This is the Cold War again. The, the, the Russians are speaking to us in the language of the Cold War, and the Biden administration is either purposely not speaking the language back or doesn't care. But yes, they, this is it's, you're going to see tit for tat. This is uh, emblematic of, of how the, the Cold War was fought with leverage on both sides. And the, the, the Wall Street Journal guy, Judge, I mean, look, I understand from credible reports that I've seen, he was out trying to verify economic uh, data relating to tank production. Well, right. you know, the Russians should let him do that. I think the Russians would, would benefit from letting people know that they're actually producing a ton of tanks, so to speak. Uh, but no, that's that's military information they they believe is protected. So that's right, why so you got that, arrested. That's a, yeah. exactly what McGregor said. Russians are at war. If if yeah. we were at war and a Russian journalist were looking up how many tanks we had, we'd probably interfere with that as well. I, get, I agree. And, and so yeah, but you're going to have a tit for tat. You're, that's just the way it's going to work. Okay. Um, the assassination of uh, Tartarsky. Tartarsky uh, in St. Petersburg, where he was handed a uh, a bust of himself. Now, who wouldn't accept a bust of himself? Oh, my God, somebody made a statue of me. I'm going to take it. Ten minutes later, it blows up in his face and kills him. The girl that handed it to him was in the front row, which leads you to believe maybe she unwittingly handed him this bust that had a bomb. That's what she's saying. That's what she right. said from her well, right? But But is this the way Ukrainian intel operates? I mean, they assassinated uh, Daria Dugina. They were aiming for her father. Yeah. Both of the people killed were to the right of Putin. Russian nationalists encouraging him to be more militarily aggressive. Can this possibly be part of the foreign policy or intelligence uh, MO of Ukraine intel? Look, Judge, uh, again, their culture is not our culture. And assassination, subterfuge, uh, manipulation. That's, look, uh, that's his end. So, different. And this, these, within the context of their culture, this is just fine. And yeah, I think the Ukrainians will launch off uh, attacks against specific human targets that they believe are influential. And this was, a, this was clearly meant to be a message. And so it's going to be, again, they're going at each other. Always remember, the Russians and the Ukrainians are cut, literally cut from the same cloth. It's oligarchs versus oligarchs. It's it's political system, totalitarian political systems versus totalitarian political systems. Assassination is a common thing within the, within the way they do. They 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 fight each other. So, um, last subject. Uh, yesterday, the new U.S. ambassador to Moscow presented his papers to President Putin in the presence of other. Uh, Western ambassadors to Moscow, brand new and already in office. And President Putin told them the reason we're having a war in Ukraine is because of the U.S. And then he proceeded to explain the CIA involvement in the color revolution, the coup yeah. of 2014. I mean, my hat is off to him for his candor and his honesty. But was this the time and place to say this? Does this surprise you coming from him? Well, I think I think Putin, again, I'm not a defender of Putin. I'm not a fan of Putin, but he's correct. The color revolution led by Victoria uh, Newland and others uh, was meant to essentially... Actually, by the way, she's got a new nickname. Her new nickname is It's Time to Bomb Crimea. So Victoria, <laughs> Time to Bomb Crimea 
uh, Newland. Go ahead. Sorry for so yeah. So so there was a a policy choice by the Obama administration to work to undermine a foreign government as if they haven't done it already before, and that the, the policy was of, of Obama that they wanted to move Ukraine from the uh, influence of Russia, essentially as a satellite or buffer state, uh, to the EU. That's what that, that's what that revolution. So Putin is fundamentally correct on the facts. And so is it was it the right time to present it to him or not? Well, I don't know. I think maybe Putin's trying to get through to the West to remind the West that this was an Obama policy that moved Ukraine out of their sphere of influence in, and attempted to move it into the EU sphere of influence. It is what it is. I'm not judging either. I mean, I, I don't think it was the wisest policy move by the Biden, by the Biden administration. I think it was a mistake. Uh, with that said, Putin's got a point, and I'm not a fan of Putin, but he's, he is speaking what is fundamentally objective uh, objective fact that can be proven. Got it. Tony Schaefer, a, a blessed Easter to you, you too, and your family. Thank you very much for joining us during this busy week. We'll see you next week. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All the best. More as we get it later uh, today, Matt Van Dyke from the streets of Ukraine, 12 noon Eastern. Uh, and Scott Ritter, 1 o'clock uh, Eastern. For Ju- Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.